Let's give Jesus a praise. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you and praise you. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. I got a, a several things. I don't know why I want to pick on Kevin. Come here. <laughs> I say come here and he doesn't move, but his wife says he wants you up there just like that. I didn't mean all the way up here. <laughs> You're up here now. He saw I had 20 bucks in my head. No, you can come on up here. That's all right. It's better for the, better for the camera maybe anyway. Like somebody said, I've got a face for radio. So there, there we go. go. Exactly. Now, you know what this is? Yep. What is that? Money. It's money. <laughs> Do you like money? It's all right. It's all right. It's now, an evil necessity. It's an evil ne- now, <laughs> th- th- now, Now, <coughs> don't get all bashful and shy and, and try to get religious because you're in church and all that stuff. Yeah. You, you like money, don't you? Yeah. You like money. You'd like to have more yeah. of these, right? Yeah. You want that one? No. It's you don't? Shy. But if I gave it to you, there you go. And that's yours. Now, what I would do if I were you, I would pass that blessing on maybe to your wife or stop at the Dairy Queen on the way home or something. But now, now you, you, like, you like money. Does anybody else like money? Now, what can you do with that? You can buy things with them. You can go to any store in this country and you can buy something. Right? You go to a restaurant, you go to McDonald's, get a hamburger. You could go to Dairy Queen and get some ice cream. You could go to CashWise and get salad. That would be stupid, but you could do that. <laughs> because, because with that $20, because it says what? On there it says legal tender. Right. And it, I think it, maybe it doesn't say that. Actually, I'm telling you more than I know right now about dollar bills. I've never looked that closely at them, I guess, come to think of it. Other than that one had, uh, is that Andrew Jackson? What's that? Is it Hamilton? Who's on that? Oh, it's Jackson, isn't it? Is it Jackson on a 20? Jackson. Yeah, 20 is Jackson. Thank you. All right. Well, that one's yours. All right. Now, now you can, and, and, and what I want you to see from that is that tonight, probably the most important thing that you need to get, outside of all the other important things I'm about to tell you about, is, is just like that money, that cash, that legal tender allows you to purchase things in the United States of America. Our government, our kingdom, our ruler covering authority says that that is legal and binding in any store in this country, granted if it's not, you know, counterfeit, those kinds of things, and it's not, it's, it's actually good. And uh, you can go to any store, and you can buy something with it, and, 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 and that is how we conduct business. That's how we transact, do transactions, all right? You can be seated and, and get comfortable again. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and, and I don't know, Pastor Tommy, if you got my text, but during worship, I, I sent you one. And Hebrews 11, 1, and in the New King James Version, familiar scripture to a lot of you, but, but I want to jump off with this. And I want to talk to you, as I, as I mentioned last yesterday, I mentioned, um, how many of you would like to know what's happening? What's, how many of you want to know things to come? Anyone? Wouldn't it be handy? Wouldn't it be convenient? Wouldn't it be kind of an advantage if you knew what was coming, if you, if you knew some things before they actually happened? Anyone? Yes. Well, Hebrews 11 one says this, now faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. All right? It is the substance of things hoped for. The reason that, that, that hope needs something to assist it, hope is important and hope is powerful. Biblical hope, I should say, not just natural hope. That's kind of an important thing. But biblical hope is something different than just I hope it happens. I hope I win the lottery. I hope I wake up in a good mood or I hope they wake up in a good mood. Maybe that would be a better way because we, we never wake up in a bad mood, do we? 
Usually somebody else has woken up already and then they put us in a bad mood and it's their fault, right? And so they just don't know how to drive and whatever, the coffee's not ready. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Biblical hope is a confident and favorable expectation. I'm expecting something good. That's what hope is, right? Hope is an expectation that something good is going to happen. But here's the problem with hope. Hope does not have any substance. Hope is like a dream. Hope is like a a vapor, a, 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 a mirage, if you will. Hope alone is powerless. Hope needs something to give it substance. And so the writer of Hebrews is telling us that hope puts substance, or I'm sorry, faith is a commodity. Faith is something that injects substance into hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things I don't see. It is proof of the existence of something, even though I don't see it. Something exists, but I don't see it. Now, if we can understand that that quick little principle of what faith is, faith is substance and faith is evidence. Faith deals with things I don't see. Faith deals with, my, with things that don't pertain to my senses, my, my ability to touch or taste or smell or, or see or hear. Faith steps beyond that. There is a realm beyond that. And faith has the ability to put substance into your hope. Just like a $20 bill can put sustenance into your mouth and into your stomach. A $20 bill gives you the authority to purchase something in a grocery store just down the road. Faith is the means of exchange in the kingdom of God. Faith is like currency. Faith is like money. How many of you would like, how many of you have money? All right, half of you do. How many of you would just not raise your hand at anything? All right. How many of you have money tonight? How many of you have cash or a credit card or debit card? All right, you've got money. That gives you authority. That gives you ability. That gives you purchasing power, power, power. And then it says that faith puts substance into hope. I I, I would like to encourage you. If you have money tonight, most of you do. Would would anybody like more money? More money, more money, more. And, And it's okay. It's okay to have money, all right? It really, really, really is. It's okay to have money. In fact, I just think God's people should have more of it than anybody else. Amen? Quit being, you know, we shouldn't be humble pie, just, you know, poor old me kind of a thing. We need to finance the gospel, finance the kingdom of God. We need to be a blessing. There's a lot of things we need to do, and more money, more money, more money helps get it done. Amen? It's, it's, just, it's just a tool. It's just a tool. This book is your ATM. This book, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If faith is like currency, if faith is like cash, cash gives me the ability to purchase something, faith gives me the ability to purchase something in the kingdom of heaven. Faith is the means of exchange from the kingdom of heaven. It's a transactional thing between the kingdom of heaven and things here on earth. Faith is what provides. Faith is what produces. Faith is what takes these promises, these exceeding great and precious promises. Faith takes those things from the spiritual realm and causes them to be manifest here in the natural realm. This might sound a little bit weird and and, 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 and for some 
but I'm telling you, it's, it's such an important key, particularly for where I want to go tonight. Because I've, I've been asking the question, been thinking about it for quite a while, and, and, and really is this thought, if we want to know the future, there, there's a great movie, uh, uh, and I like the movie anyway, and it dates me just a little bit, and, uh, 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 and, and that was the movie Back to the Future. And in the movie Back to the Future, if you remember that, uh, um, uh, uh, Marty McFly uh, uh, gets a hold of a book, and it's Gray's uh, uh, Sports Almanac from 1950 to the year 2000. And, and then Biff, his counterpart, the arch enemy, Biff gets a hold of it, and, and, and Biff is now an old man. He discovers how to go back, and, and, and he gives, and here's a picture of it, he, he gives this book, he gives this sports almanac to his younger self. How many of you would like to be able to go back in time and tell yourself something? Anyone? Or two or three things? Did you know that there's a third founder of Apple? We know Wozniak, we know Jobs, but there's or Jobs, but there's another guy. I got his name right here. Let me find it quick. I, I didn't actually. I actually did not know that. His name. His name was Ronald Wayne. And in 1976, Ronald Wayne <laughs> sold his share of the Apple company about 10 percent for eight hundred dollars. Marty, <laughs> Biff, so he got biffed right there. $800. If he had done nothing with it but just sat on it today, or in 2016, it would have been worth 59, not thousand, not million, billion. $59 billion. How many of you know he probably would like to have a way back machine? Now, he said, I thought the company was going to do well. I thought it would be okay. But he, re but he said, I felt like because of the way everything was being run, I would be the richest guy in the cemetery. And so he sold out. He opted out. And how, you know, how, how, how wonderful would that be if we could know things to come? And, 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 and we'd like to go back in time. And some of you, if you could go back in time, you'd undo some things. You'd unsay some things. You maybe would have, you know, asked her out. Or maybe you'd have said, no, I don't want to go out with you. Or, or, or you know, you, you might... Maybe, you know, tell your kids something that would help them. Maybe steward them a little bit better or a little bit differently because of choices that they made or mistakes that you made. And we wish that we could go back. And how many of you know you can't go backwards? You can only go forward. That's, you know, life is designed. It's a one-way street. It's the way that we go. And unfortunately for Biff, he got all this wealth. He got all this money because he could bet on the... On, on the games and everything else, and it didn't turn out well for him. Biff, you know, built this great big thing, and uh, it was his big pleasure paradise, and, 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 you know, he had cash to burn. Somebody said that actually looks like a little bit like Donald Trump, but I don't know. And uh, so I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Apparently we got, oh, sorry. Okay. We'll leave the politics alone, apparently. Huh? <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the sermon. All right. But it didn't turn out well for Biff. And there are decisions that you and I make, like saying stupid things, apparently, at the, at the wrong time, that, that, that don't turn out like we sometimes think that they would. And so, to know what's coming, to know what is down the street, down the road, down, you know, a week or a month or a year from now, to know some things that are coming would almost seem like an unfair advantage, wouldn't it? In John chapter 16 and verse 7, this is what Jesus said, nevertheless... 
I tell you the truth. Now think about what Jesus is saying here and when he's saying it, but, but this, is, this is kind of a shocking statement. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. I don't know about you, I cannot think of... I cannot think of, a, of any kind of a scenario that I would say, Jesus, I think it would be better if you weren't here right now. Jesus, I think it'd just be better if you'd go somewhere else. And yet, he's telling his disciples, and he's got more here, and there's, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. But imagine the initial shock of what his disciples, wait a minute, Jesus, you've been doing everything. You've told us where to go. You've told us when to come, when to go, where, where, when to sit, when to stand, where to find money in the fish's mouth. You've told us everything that we should do. And now you're saying it's better for us if you go? I don't think so. He said, it is to your advantage. Everybody say Advantage. Do you know that you have an advantage tonight? You have an advantage tonight. He said, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, I have to step back. I have to do something else so that I can pave the way, open up the door for a helper to come. And and when that helper comes, there's some really interesting things that are going to happen. And those things that happen are going to give you an advantage in your life. It's going to help you. I don't know about you, but I want the help of God. I want God's help. And here's what was going on in John chapter 16 and verse 1. It says, I have told you these things so that you won't be staggered by all that lies ahead. For you will be excommunicated from the synagogues. How many of you, maybe when you were in school, was there like the, the lunch table where all the cool kids were? Pastor John, usually that was your table, wasn't it? No. <laughs> you skipped lunch. Uh, I don't know about you. That was like my, I, I majored in lunch. <laughs> You'll be excommunicated from, the synagogue was the place, man. The, the, the happening people, the good, the, the, the right people, they were all there. And, and, and that would be kind of like everybody's going to turn their back on you. You're going to be excommunicated from the place that is the place that is known that the accepted people are. They're going to kick you out of there. He said, you'll be excommunicated from the synagogues. And indeed, the time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing God a service. And, 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 and not that far beyond this, the Apostle Paul, he, he was actually Saul, he was consenting to the death of the followers of Christ. He thought he was doing God a favor by persecuting the church, by killing people, killing Christians, trying to stamp out Christianity. He, he goes on, and he, Jesus goes on, he says, uh, uh, this is because they've never known the Father or me. Think about that. Those who were representing God to the people didn't know God. Those who were representing God to the people did not recognize God's son. They knew all about God. They knew the rules and the regulations and the rituals, but they didn't know God. They had no experience with him, and they couldn't portray him. They couldn't live him. They couldn't explain him through actions to the people. So you're going to get kicked out of the cool place. People are going to reject you. They're going to want to try to kill you. And they're doing it because they don't know me. He goes on. Yes, I'm telling you these things 
now so that when they happen, you will remember that I warned you. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. It's like, wait a minute, Jesus, just when things are heating up, just when things are getting bad, just, just when things, they're going to kill us, they're going to kick us out, they're going to do all, now you're leaving? This would be the most opportune time for you to be here. And yet, like, uh, like today, you know, or, <coughs> or in this day, and it's like, Jesus, where are you? Why did you leave me in these things? Wouldn't it be convenient to know that perhaps the season that you have just gone through, you're going, it's a preparation season, and, and, and there's a warning, there's an ability for the Spirit of God to lead you in some things, and, and, and connecting the dots backward, you can know and understand why you might be in the season that you're in. Jesus says, it's expedient. It's better for you if I leave you. Now I'm going to, then he says in verse 5, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. And this is funny to me, not funny, funny, but none of you seems interested in the purpose of my going. None wonders why. Instead, you're only filled with sorrow. I'm telling you these things and I'm warning you about these things. And yet nobody's really asking me the most important question. Why are you leaving and what's going to happen when you leave? What could be the purpose? It, Jesus was really saying the reason that you're not curious about why I'm leaving, the reason that you don't understand or don't want to know is because when I said these things to you that I'm leaving, you're thinking about you and your need and your fear and your lack and all the things that you can't do and you, uh, you won't be able to endure perhaps. And, and you're thinking only about you and your kingdom and your stuff and your timeline and what's important to you. But instead, I want you to consider perhaps what is going on in my kingdom and my will and my way. So I want you to understand those things. And none of you seems interested in the purpose of my going and no one wonders why. And I think partly it's because you're thinking your plan, your kingdom, instead of God's plan and God's kingdom. And then that takes us to verse 7 again. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. As hard as it is for you guys to understand, it's to your advantage that I go. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. If I depart, I will send him to you. Now, I said all those things to say a couple of things to you tonight. And that, first of all, is simply this. I don't know about you, as I said earlier, I don't see a scenario where a scenario where Jesus leaving would put me at an advantage. I feel like it would put me at a disadvantage, right? And yet Jesus said, when I go, I'm sending you a helper. When I go, it's to your advantage. Now, let me ask you a very simple, simple, simple question. How many of you believe the Bible? If the Bible is true, and if what Jesus said is true, this tells us that he's left us a helper who is going to help us have an advantage in life. In John 16, 13, here's part of that advantage in John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. You might think, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought the Holy Spirit was always here. Why is Jesus saying, when he, the spirit of truth, has come? The Holy Spirit has always been here. 
The Holy Spirit has always been active on the very first day of creation. It says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 where, the, you know, in the beginning God created. God created. God created the heavens and he created the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness. And the Spirit of God was hovering. The Holy Spirit was there hovering. And then God said, in the moment that God said, the Holy Spirit went to work and began to create the things that God said. The Holy Spirit has been active, he has been powerful, he has been alive from the day of, really, from before creation. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and and this, if I could try to capture, I can't. I don't know what you think about when we talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, most of us have been raised in, you know, Traditional or denominational churches, you know, we know about the Father, Son. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And try to understand the Trinity and, you know, the Godhead. And we understand Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all that stuff. And, and you know, E. Pluberus, you know, we're, we're doing all the things. But, but really, what do we think about when we think about the Holy Spirit? And based on your upbringing or based on your church experience, your religious experience, the, the, those kinds of experiences... We have a lot of ideas about perhaps what or who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And for some, we kind of got a picture of God. He's big. He's the creator. He's awesome. And then there's Jesus. He's so loving. He just loves us. He just died. He loves us. And then there's the Holy Spirit. We're like, not sure about that dude. But, you know, God is there and Jesus is there and Holy Ghost. So he's over there somewhere. And, and yet Jesus is saying, this is to your advantage the reason that I brought up faith, and that faith is the means of transaction, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If I hope to live in ad, an advantaged life in the kingdom of God, then faith requires me, faith requires me to put substance into what I hope for. If I hope for the advantage, I need faith to put substance into it. And faith can only come from the word of God. All through the Bible, we're given I should say all through the Bible, but in the Bible, we are giving, given pictures of what the Holy Spirit is like. The Holy Spirit's like a wind, right? It's like a wind. And, and what does the wind do? The wind blows. Whew. Don't see where the wind comes from. Don't see where it goes, but we can sense and know the effect. We can see the leaves blowing. We can see the dirt. We can feel it in our, well, I can't feel it going through my hair, but we can feel it hitting us. And we, we can feel those things. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit's like rain. The rain comes down and it, it, and it waters the ground, it, 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 all of those things. But the Bible doesn't tell us that the Holy Spirit is like wind or, or like rain. So we go, oh, I get it. It's because He tells us that because he wants us to experience the rain. He wants us to actually get wet. He wants us to have that wind blow and bring direction to our life. And so that means that I need to expect that to happen. If I want to have the advantage that God wants me to have, I need to expect it. I need to believe it. <coughs> How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come? He will guide you. He will guide you. He will guide you. What does a guide do? A guide gives us direction. A guide leads us. A guide sometimes clears the path. A guide shows, uh, you know, points out things that maybe are are dangerous. A guide might point out things that are of interest that you should maybe pay attention to and learn something. 
And that's what the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you, and he wants to guide you, and he wants to point things out to you, and he wants you to know that, that there might be a danger uh, on the path ahead, or there might be something interesting. There might actually be a bush that's burning, and you, want to, you might want to maybe take a look at this for a little bit. He says that he will guide you. He will lead you, and he will guide you into all truth. When you know the truth, what happens? You get set free, man. The freedom comes. He will guide you into all truth. Well, what direction should I go? How many of you know that there's a lot of times we're faced with decisions, and, 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 and in those decisions, we can argue both sides of the decision. I got red over here and green over here. And I, I like red, and I, I can understand red would be good, but green is just as good. And, and, and we're trying to make a decision between the two. And the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into all truth. What's the true? What is the, what's the right? What's the best way, the best course? He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And here's the advantage. And he will tell you, things to come. I said that the Holy Spirit will tell you things to come. Wouldn't that be cool? If your guide would all of a sudden be there and, and whispering in your ear saying, there's a trap up ahead. Look out for that person. Be careful about that situation. Embrace that opportunity because something good is happening. You have an advantage, a person, a, a, a being, a part of the Godhead that says, I want to step into your life, and I want to lead you, and I want to guide you, and I want to help you along the way. How many of you think that sounds kind of like a good deal? Anyone? The active participation. So if we, and, and I wrote this down just so I wouldn't miss it. If we want the advantage that the Holy Spirit brings, we either need to rethink the Holy Spirit or become better acquainted with him. We either need to rethink the Holy Spirit or become better acquainted with him. Rethink it. Well, he's just that third person of the Godhead that's mysterious and we don't really know a lot about him and we can't really know a lot about him. Or we say, you know what? I'm going to step into the rain and let the wind hit me in the face and experience him. And that's a choice, it's a decision <clears throat> that, we need to, that we need to think about. So, how many of you have one of these bad boys? Cell phone. And, I, you know, these things get blamed for so much. And it is kind of funny when you're at a restaurant and you see, you know, boys and girls out on their first date. I don't know, 60-year-old people sitting at the restaurant, large print. <laughs> it's one of the best things ever. You could just do that. You know, hey, I can see it now sort of a thing. You know, I think it was 1992, I had my first cell phone. It was a bag phone. I don't even remember those things. I mean, I was like one of the first people to have an actual cell phone. And, I, I, and, and it was a bag, and it was heavy, and you carried it around. It had the big receiver on it with the buttons, and then you had the long cord. You plug it in. You had the long cord. You're driving 60 miles an hour. You're trying to get that thing on, on the hood of your car, you know, and it's supposed to magnet stick on there or a suction cup. And, 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 and you know, it was poor quality, poor reception, and really, really, really expensive. 
Anybody else ever have a bag phone? Now, I thought I was pretty cool with a bag phone. Carry that bed. Carry it around bed. I got a bag, man. <laughs> but if I was still carrying that around, you'd look at me kind of like, that's odd. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, you know, it's like the size of the table, you know, or like the, hello, <laughs> kind of a thing. And we would think that's really, really strange that we're still using it. Somebody, and I don't know that it's true, but I read it on the internet, so I have a feeling it's pretty close to true. And, and, and that's, and this was a few years ago, that in, in the average smartphone, there is more computing capacity and power in the average smartphone than NASA had when they landed a person on the moon. And we're using it to play Words with friends and Angry Birds and all those other things. All this awesome computing power. Now, we can stay with a bag phone or we could upgrade to a smartphone. And see, the Holy Spirit has always been active. But when Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, what he was saying is that the Holy Spirit has always been here and he's been active. But there's now a new dimension. <clears throat> I'm going to the Father. And when I'm seated at the right hand of God and my, my blood is, is placed on the altar as the atonement. And now something happens on the inside of a human being who has made Jesus the Lord of his life. Something happens on the inside. We've been upgraded on the inside, so now the Holy Spirit can, can, can work in our life with a different dynamic, in a different way, in a different, in a different capacity. And so <laughs> the other thing about a smartphone, and mine right now is off, so you can quit trying to text me and, uh, or call me. And, uh, oh, Brad, looks like Emmanuel Sanders just got a touchdown. Awesome. <laughs> Fantasy football. Um, there's, a, there's a mode on your phone called airplane mode. Familiar with airplane mode? If you have your cell phone on and you're flying, your plane will crash. And so you, you're supposed to put on the airplane mode so that, so that you don't receive a signal. That way the, the cellular stuff can't get to your phone. It, it's blocked. And, and you just use what's... You just use what's on the hard drive of your phone. If you have a game on there, you can play it. If you want to read something, if it's there, if it's on the hard drive, you can access it. And a lot of times what people do, uh, you know, we treat the Holy Spirit like an app. You know, it's like calling 911. We hope we don't have to, we, don't, we hope we never have to use 911. We hope we never need the help of the Holy Spirit. But if I do have to use 911, I can. And... If I do need the Holy Spirit, if I do need his power, if I do need his help, I, I can always shout up a prayer. And God didn't design the Holy Spirit to be like an app that you access once in a while. God designed the Holy Spirit to be the operating system of your life. He designed the Holy Spirit to be a relational part of your life, a relational part with him of your life. Not just, not just an app that we access once in a while. And, and, and unfortunately, a lot of times, our hard drive... The hard drive of our life, if you're a follower of Christ, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you're born again and, and, and God's spirit's in you and you love Jesus and you're saved and when you die, you're probably going to heaven. But a lot of us are traveling in airplane mode. We're traveling in airplane mode and we don't have access to, we don't, the signal's out there but we're not getting it because we're shut off to it. And the advantage that you're designed to have, the, the advantage that you're designed to live, you can't live it because you're shut off to it. Now, let me show you a couple of quick things. 
that I think will help you. In John 6, 63, Jesus said this. It is the Spirit. Everybody say the Spirit. It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The flesh, that's, if you remember the illustration we did a couple of weeks ago, spirit, soul, and body, three-part being. Your flesh profits. As much as we try to, you know, do everything that we can in the flesh, our strength, our ability, and our our work, and all of those other things, at the end of the day, the flesh won't profit you. In fact, a lot of times, the flesh will lead you the wrong way because the flesh is what gets offended and gets its feelings hurt and gets its nose out of joint. It is the flesh that is lazy. It is the flesh that wants to get stuck in a rut. It is a flesh that will fight you every step of the way. It is not profitable to follow the flesh, particularly if you want to find a path of life, particularly if you want to find a path of peace. The flesh is not going to profit you. And what, what profits you is what Jesus said, it's the spirit that gives life. So if I want the life that comes from the spirit, I need to step away from or out of or, or, or back from being influenced by the flesh. Then Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are what? They're what? And they are the flesh doesn't profit me, but the words that I'm speaking to you, the words that are coming out of my mouth are spirit words, and they're life-filled words. They're spirit words and life-filled words. His words, remember, the Holy Spirit, he'll take what he hears from the Father and tell them to you. Those are spirit words. Those are life words. And the Holy Spirit's, one of his job, the Holy Spirit's job is to take what he hears from the Father, hears at the throne of God, and get it to you. That's an advantage. I said, that's an advantage. But if you don't believe it, if you don't know it, if you're not aware of it, you're going to be like that cell phone traveling In airplane mode. Faith is what leverages it out of the spirit realm, out of the promise realm, into this realm where I live right now. I I like this illustration. It doesn't work as well today because of the various signals, but but, uh, I'm going to use it again very quickly. In this room right now, there's there's all kinds of signals. There's Wi-Fi signals. There are AM signals. There's FM signals. There's... Other types of signals, this wireless microphone operates on another signal. There's bandwidth. There's, there, there's, there's <laughs> all, uh, There's television signals in here. And we're not aware of them at all, are we? But our head, we can understand there's different kinds of signals here, aren't there, right? Well, if, if, if I'm going to take the signal that's out there, I've got to have a receiver that has the capacity to receive that signal and process that signal in a way that I can now understand it. I can now be advant- take the advantage of the signal that's there. There's an FM signal that's, that's, that's in this room, but I need an FM receiver to be able to take that signal. And once I, once I actually find a, an FM receiver to take the signal, I need to further fine-tune that signal to get the station, to get the channel, to get the information that I want. You could be 
turning the little knob, and all of a sudden you get the country music, you're like, I hate country music, and then it's, that's what I want, you know, kind of a thing. Because you're fine-tuning the signal. You're fine-tuning the signal. So you have all these different kinds. Now, here's the thing. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 8 says, but the rulers of this world, having not understood it, if they had known, they would have not, accru- they would have not crucified our glorious Lord. The, the rulers, if the devil knew what was going to happen, he'd have never killed Jesus. If the devil knew that out of that one death would produce the life of many sons and daughters that, that, that bear the image of Christ and are anointed by God, if he knew what was going to happen, he would have never killed Jesus. That's what that's saying. Verse 9. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, nor no ear has, has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I, I think most of you know this, but let me just tell you, this is not talking about heaven. A lot of people think this is a verse about heaven. This has nothing to do with heaven. It has a lot to do with heavenly things, but not heaven itself. Because he goes on to say, let me read verse 9 again. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no eye, no physical, natural eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Why? Because God's words are spirit words. And God's words are bigger than your ability and capacity to receive them and understand them. Because all you've got is a tiny little AM receiver that cannot swallow up and take the broadness of the FM signal that God is sending out. We need a change of a receiver. And that's what the new birth is. The new birth... If any man is in Christ, a new creation, old things, the AM signal, the AM receiver passes away, all things become new. I can now receive the signal that God is sending because my spirit has been changed. I'm a chip off the old block. I'm a child of God. If God has DNA, his DNA is in me. His DNA, his his life is in me. I'm one with him. He's the vine. I'm I'm a branch. I'm just a branch on the vine, but the life that's in the vine is in the branch. That's in me. Praise God. I'm one with him. So that's what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us, children of God, it was to us that God revealed these things. How? How? How does God reveal things? Spirit words from God have to be received or revealed by a spiritual receiver on the inside of us. It was to us that God revealed these things. He has revealed what God has prepared. I'm sorry, I need that a little bigger. Has prepared for those who love him. It was to us. I'm sorry, verse 11. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. I don't know what Pastor John is thinking right now. The only one who knows what Pastor John is thinking is Pastor John and God. I don't know what Gordy's thinking right now. Only he knows. What he said. I don't know what Shelly's thinking right now. We don't know what the other person is thinking. Is a dangerous thing we're getting to in this country where we are ju- judging, judging a person really says you know their motive, you know what they're thinking, you know what the, you know the reason they, you really know the reason they did what they did. 
And that's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous place for you to get to. Well, they did that because you have no idea why they did what they did or said what they said. I don't know where that came from. Now, verse 11, no one can know a person's thoughts, thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's, no one, good grief. I'm so used to New King James and this is the New Living, sorry. I'm going to try that again. No one can know a person's thoughts except that, spirit, that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. God has thoughts. What is God thinking? I wish, don't you wish you knew what God was thinking? Don't you know what God was thinking about when, when you're trying to make a decision about your career or, or, or when you're, you're wanting to speak life to your child? What is God thinking? What is God's thoughts? What's God saying about this? Nobody knows what God's thinking except for the Spirit of God that is in him. Verse 12, and we have received God's Spirit. See, I've received God's Spirit. I have God's Spirit in me now. We have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. You don't have the world's Spirit in you. That's part of the flesh. That's not profitable. Then he goes on again. We've received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given to us. In other words, the things that no mind, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, hasn't entered into the thoughts and the hearts of man, those are the things of the spirit of God that Paul is referring to in verse 13, uh, verse uh, uh, 12, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given to us. The reason you don't know the wonderful things that God has given to you is because you've not been feeding on the spiritual words, the words that are spirit and life that Jesus has been saying, and, and, and perhaps you've been traveling in airplane mode, and you're, you haven't been open to what the Spirit of God is wanting to say and wanting to do, and partly it's because of a believing problem. Because we've thought we got to get perfect. We've thought that we have to do things, and we have to quit things, and start other things before we could ever have the advantage of God. And yet the Bible is telling us that if we want to get the things right, the Holy Spirit is the vehicle and the helper that will help us to get it right. I don't have to be perfect to get the power. The power is what's trying to help me get perfect. I don't have to get right. It is the Spirit of God that helps me to get right. Quit trying to get right before you can have help of the Holy Spirit. He goes on in verse 13. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual, those who still have the old receiver, or those who don't have the, they have the right receiver, but it's not tuned in. It's on the wrong frequency. We, we've shut it off because we're in airplane mode, and we're just living by the flesh, living by the senses, living by what's out there. Not aware that there's a whole other broadcast that's happening that we could tap into. Verse 14, again, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. They're not spiritual. They can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Now. 
A lot of people think that if I just please God and do what God wants, then he's going to help me. No. The Holy Spirit is your helper to help you please God. (laughs) And there's a big difference. The advantage that God wants to bring to you in your life, again, going back to the cell phone, once once we activate it and get it to connect... We've got a bunch of options that are available to us. My particular phone has an issue lately, and it, it is that it drains really quickly. I mean, you've found that there's certain apps that you use, like maps or whatever. Maybe you're watching a video, you're learning something, whatever it might be, and, 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 and it drains your battery. And eventually, you get that little warning that says, you know, 15% battery life or whatever. We're going to shut some things down to make your phone last longer. And, and, and I don't know, some people get pretty bent out of shape, they pretty, get pretty crazy, and other people carrying around these other battery things, you know, and they, they connect it in, and you, so you got a pocket full of batteries so that you can maintain the, the strength of your phone. There are things in your life that you will go through that will drain your battery faster than other things. We operate out of our spirit, and there, there, there's emotional, emotional turmoil and chaos and things that happen that will drain your spiritual capacity. And when that begins to happen, you begin to get spiritually tired. So I, I, I want to bring this to a close tonight, and I, I, I wish I could do some other things because, because I think it would help you, and I, I don't have the, the ability to, to do that right now. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be an advantage in our life. God offers him to us as an advantage. But we need to be aware of it, and then we need to be engaging it, activating it. I say it, I mean him, the Holy Spirit in our life. And we need two things. If we're going to activate the Spirit of God in our life outside of, outside of knowledge, there's two things. One, one, one is, is an emptiness. Sometimes our life is so full of stuff, so full of stuff, the Spirit of God can't get in. It's like having a jar with a lid on it. So we need, we need emptiness in our life, but, but we also need to take the lid off and open up our life to it. We need to empty our life of some stuff and open up our life to the Spirit of God. And, and, and I don't, that's why I started with, I don't know where some of you are at as it relates to the Spirit of God. Some are, some are, are so myopic, so, so one vision, so one-sided that the Holy Spirit is only speaking in tongues and it's tongues and interpretation, prophecy and power and all that stuff for a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a special service. Well, certainly that's, that's true. But we don't live our life in a service. Amen. We don't live our life in church. We are the church. And wherever we go, God goes. And what about Tuesday when we need to know what to do? What about Thursday when our kids are melting down and and we need to speak truth tenderly to the heart of a child? That's when the Holy Spirit wants to help us. And others are so unaware that the Holy Spirit is out there and he's too mystical and strange and and afraid. But there needs to be the sense that, Lord, I'm empty. I need your help. And I'm open to you working in my life. How does that happen? Ephesians 5.18 says this. Don't drink too much wine, for many evils lie along that path. I think it's the King James or New King James uh, that says, don't be drunk with wine, where is in excess that leads to 
debauchery. Now, it's not a topic or not the mention of drunkenness. It's what drunkenness, what too much alcohol leads to. A dulling of the senses, you, you know, you begin to act inappropriately or in a wrong manner. It leads to other things. Instead, everybody say instead. There's something, there's another path. Just like one drink at a time leads on a path, similarly one drink of the Holy Spirit leads to something else. He says, don't drink too much wine for many evils lie along that path. Be filled instead with the Holy Spirit and controlled by Him. People who get drunk in the natural with alcohol, what happens? They get controlled by that alcohol. And if they're a happy person, generally, they're going to be the happy drunk. If they're mean, they're going to be the mean drunk. And every one of them is obnoxious. Amen? Actually, it got quiet in here all of a sudden. I might be stepping on some toes here. I didn't mean to. So, so what do we do? Instead, be filled, instead, uh, be filled instead with the Holy Spirit and controlled by him. In other words, that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, should have the controlling. People get angry, and, and anger controls them. Instead, let the Spirit of God have the controlling influence in, in, in your life. How do we do that? Verse 19, talk with each other much about the Lord. If you want to live the advantage, take advantage, then, then, then find some people. That's a circle. That's a group. Get in a group and talk to one another about the Lord. Iron will sharpen iron, and you will find the Holy Spirit there, and he will be leading you in a, because of a story of another person or because of the influence of another person. Talk with each other much about the Lord, quoting psalms and hymns, notice, and singing sacred songs, not listening to them. Not watching everybody else sing, but I don't sing very good. It doesn't say if you sing good. Sing sacred songs. Making music in your hearts. Where? We've got to quit being so self-conscious when it comes to worship. Quit being so self-conscious when it comes to the corporate worship experience when we come together as a church. Find a way to worship God. Because that's, it's down here. Your vocal ability does not matter at all. Just because somebody has a tremendous voice doesn't mean they're a true worshiper. Because worship comes from inside. Touched by the Spirit of God, His voice and His breath breathed on the words that you sing. Talk with each other much about the Lord, quoting psalms and hymns and singing sacred songs, making music in your hearts for the Lord. Always, everybody say always. Always, always give thanks for everything. To our God and Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I need to finish it. Here's your assignment. Find some people and talk a lot about the Lord. If you want to live the advantage, find some people and talk a lot about the Lord. Quote and give and sing psalms and hymns and songs that are birthed by the Spirit. Do you know that you cannot sing a spiritual song that's a negative? Oh, Lord, my life is rotten. And it seems like everything is wrong, Lord. That's the blues. But instead, always, always, always give thanks to the Lord because he's good. And then God inhabits. The word inhabits doesn't mean he just lives and dwells. That's a part of it. But it actually means he's enthroned. 
Who sits on a throne? A king does. And as I began to sing and as I began to praise God, I'm building a throne for him. And he will sit upon that throne. And in the most difficult, horrible moments of life, if I want God in my life, I need to begin to praise him and I begin to worship him and I begin to sing to him. And a throne will be built in the middle of that mess. A throne will be built, built in the middle of that fear and in that chaos. And God will sit there and, 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 and the enemies will bow at his feet in the moment of that praise. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the chain. It's a choice. Choices don't stay choices. Start with a choice, and my choice is going to be to worship God. My choice is to sing to God. It is to worship Him with all of my strength, my spirit, my soul, every passionate part of my life. I'm going to worship Him, but eventually that choice becomes a habit. You might have the choice to complain, but complaining will become a habit. And after a while, complaining becomes automatic. But I want praise to be automatic. And then it becomes something that, that, that isn't just automatic. But I am, I'm identified as a joyful person of praise, right? not a complainer. <laughs> and eventually it becomes my nature. And instead of a chain of bondage, it's like I'm chained to Jesus. And in that moment of chaos, instead I've got a strength in my life. Glory to God. So take two seconds tonight. Just bow your heads. Now, stand up and just lift your hands. Every one of us. Let's just stand and lift our hands to the Lord. International sign of surrender. God, I surrender to you. Lord, I want to live the advantage. So, Father, I, I, I thank you tonight. I thank you that I'm not disadvantaged. I thank you that I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that, that, that because of you and because of the Holy Spirit, you're showing me things to come. You want to help me, you want to guide me. And Lord, I've been traveling in airplane mode, and so Lord, I'm switching off the airplane mode. Father, I want to receive from you. And so I'm opening up myself to you tonight. I'm opening up myself to your spirit tonight. I'm asking you to breathe in my life tonight. I'm asking you to reign in my life tonight. I, I, I'm building a, a, a throne for you to live in tonight. And so Lord, I, I want that that relationship with you that alerts me to dangers on the path, <clears throat> that alerts me to interesting places that I, should, that I should take a little side note of because there's something that you want to show me and there's something you want to add to my life so that that, that seed is planted as a small seed, but it's going to grow up big because it's watered by the rain from heaven. So, Father, I thank you tonight for that. I thank you, Father, that as I sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to you, making melody in my heart to the Lord, that you fill me with your spirit. And, Father, I want your spirit to have the controlling influence and the controlling portion of my life. I don't want greed or fear or pride or envy or, or offense. I don't want those to have the controlling interest. I want your spirit to have the controlling interest. And, Lord, I don't want it just for me, but, Lord, I, I want you to show me things to come. I want you to alert me on Sunday morning that somebody's going to walk through the doors of this church and I can speak a word in season to the one who is weary because I've spent time with you and I'm alert and I'm active and I'm aware of your spirit leading me and guiding me and, and I can be a blessing to somebody instead of just passing them by because I'm hearing your voice and I'm allowing you to influence the direction of, of my life and the, the, the steps of my feet and I thank you for that Father I thank you for this great congregation of men and women and Lord God we want you we want you to move in our life we want you to, to, to be the influencing portion of our life in this congregation and we thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said